And it's another special edition of the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thomas Miller, thanks for joining us. We are checking in with the three ladies who are doing readings on funastrology.com. We've heard from Delia Golden. Now we're going to hear from Marilyn Michelle. Marilyn was actually our first reader to jump on board, and she studied under Jeffrey Wolf Green, which basically means that she has a really strong background in Pluto's influence in our lives and in our charts. Get ready, because we're going to, just like with Delia, take a dog-legged turn in here and bring up something that you would not have expected to be part of this conversation. The ending is worth the waiting. You know how they say, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Marilyn, Michelle, welcome back to the program, to the podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about current events. Thank you, Thomas. It's a delight to be here. We're going to start with today, and this is being recorded in the middle of the day, basically on March 14th, 2022. And as we're looking at the sky right now, this little snapshot we have Pluto in Capricorn at 28 degrees, Mars just across the county line in Aquarius County at 6 degrees, and Venus right next door at 7 degrees. And of note that Venus is still, of course, the morning star for this year, basically, at least a good chunk of it. And so it is in that kind of aggressive, more aggressive position, according to the ancients. And as we're recording this, it just so happens that the moon is across from that and is square to Uranus. So if that's not a setup for discussion, I don't know what is. And just, uh, what, uh, 14 and 6, 20 days, 21 days prior to this was when Vladimir Putin breached the line of Ukraine's sovereign border and has been killing innocent women and children. So again, you know, this is no insignificant conversation that we're having. And, you know, since you have studied under Jeffrey Wolf Green's work, which heavily involves Pluto, and we're also sitting on the Pluto return of the United States, which basically that dances over the original position three times this whole year. You know, there's a lot going on here. So why don't you just dive in with some thoughts around how we are, where we are? Okay, so way to open it up with that light entry there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Let's see. Mars is, if you want to get stuff done, Venus conjunct is you're going to meet your dream um, thing, and Pluto is sex. So there you go. I, does that lighten it up? <laughs> Oh, yeah, baby. That's all right. Okay. There you uh, go. We're going to keep it clean. I'm out. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> Pluto, Pluto, you know, um, I I really embrace Pluto. I remember when I first was introduced to Pluto and I was in the New Paradigm community and I was talking about, oh, Pluto is such an amazing planet. And somebody told me that I had a naive kind of opening to Pluto, that I really didn't understand the nature of Pluto. But the thing was, is they didn't know my life's journey and that I had been very um, immersed into Pluto. And I felt such relief when I came into astrology because there was an identity 
in Pluto with the subterrain or the the hell realms that one often goes into and we in our society want to cover that up we want to make that all okay or we want to take the exchange that's happening within those plutonian realms and remove ourselves and give that authority to somebody else because we don't want to have to participate in the dark subterrain and have to own our own responsibility, our own postures within that. And so it's a really sometimes um, murky, sometimes rugged, often suffering. Suffering is just, I, I don't always put suffering at the feet of Pluto. I put suffering at the feet of this expression, which is in me, that is not in tune with my deepest truth or with my deepest expression that is to come out now and so i have navigated that time and time again and when i came into astrology the opening of conversation to embrace pluto and the dynamic that follows within that was a gift for me because now i'm in a place that fully embraces what i have come to know and so i've had this you know i've i've I dance in the subterranean quite a bit. Then the beautiful thing is, is when we get down there, we find Dark Mother, and it's like, oh, the mother of all of us resides deep within, and I call her the Dark Mother, and that is a love that is beyond that, you know. So, so when we find attunement and we find that. You know, and it's it's not like it's going to, the thing with Pluto, it's not like a a one done and, you know, um, I don't know what that phrase is, where you just step into something and it's like, oh, one step and you're done. One step and you're there. No, Pluto is massaging and navigating and really opening space that has been so confined that often the only way that opens up is for it to start to break down. But the breaking down is something that we often want to bypass or we, or we're going to make it like an exotic thing that, you know, it's a gawker kind of thing, like an accident on the freeway. And Oh my goodness, it's a gawker's block. That's what we used to call it down in LA when everybody was slow on your side of the traffic, not because of it's, being interrupted but because everybody wanted to gawk at the accident so we kind of have this distorted relationship with that which is deteriorating you know we don't we don't often really complete a composting of the garbage that we produce from our kitchen we don't often really understand how to bring a balance to the composting thing we often don't want to navigate And we often can't sit. I remember at one point I was ill, took me out of all the things that I had been doing, all of the positions that I had held. And about six months in, this person said, okay, it's enough of this illness thing. You really have to get over it because that's not your best way to get attention. And I was astounded that someone who had been working with me, who had been my key support within our our projects and endeavors, thought that I was faking it because they didn't know how to navigate 
something that was enduring for that kind of time. So Pluto does not worry about time. Pluto doesn't have a schedule that needs to fit. So we all get comfortable. All of that kind of comfort stuff is not within the realm of Pluto. And I think we're graced with the crossing of Mars and Venus. I find that those are personal planets that are intimate in our expression and they came upon Pluto. And I think that there was a really beautiful conversation. I'm assuming that with Mars being in Capricorn and being all like in his own landscape, he really didn't have the ears for hearing so much what Venus was offering, but that's not something Venus isn't familiar with dealing with in our current contemporary expression. And I'm kind of giving them a playful expression, but sometimes the way we see these planets is through the eyes of our current filters our current ways of seeing. And so I really find favor that Venus had, you know, come on to Pluto, retrograded back in. And then when she came on to Pluto again, Mars is there with her. And now they're journeying together and they've gone into a new landscape. But they took in that conversation, that exchange with Pluto. And I find it really beautiful that they've entered into Aquarius, because this is the old house of Saturn, right? And Saturn is sitting there welcoming that, them to his his domain. And I can get into story here, and I apologize if it seems too abstract. I often do easily land in the abstract land, and my companion will look at me and go, I have no idea what you just said. But if we just looked at Saturn now as the crone, I know that we often give Saturn you know, a masculine, all the planets have feminine and masculine within. So I would like to see the um, planets also depicted as females as much as they are depicted as males. And um, Rick Levine once referenced Saturn as the old crone. And I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so on that. So we have now an old crone in her house ready to um, welcome the movements of Venus and Mars as they transit through. And I think there's a lot of wisdom being brought forward. I think that there's an opportunity for introspection because one of the things that I think adds to the burden of the world condition that feels very Plutonian, right? It's, it's been pressing on us in a very tangible, experiential way for the last couple of years. And then we have this heightened experience of war. And I don't think it's always just a distance. I mean, how is it that we can be so empathetic and so grievous for what's happening, except that it's a little bit of a reflection of how our society has behaved in the past? You know, that that whole male dominance thing, that whole, you know, I don't I don't have to go very far especially if you've lived this life as a female, to know, wow, that's so familiar to me. And so there's an extraordinary grief within. But I wouldn't assign this all to the males because I have masculine within myself. And what's really surfaced as Mars and Venus have danced together, and I really kind of love it that Venus is as a morning star because she's in the start of a new cycle. And in fact, she's in her Capricorn cycle. 
So Venus is a, mo- is a morning star, but she's starting a new cycle. And so there's a vibrancy to this seed that's blooming fresh again, right? And, and maybe because when Venus is in that early state, we think of, I'm, I'm not familiar with the ancients who considered her more aggressive there, but just think of a seed going into the soil and how that's so disruptive. I mean, slow-mo and it looks like things are just chaotic, right? And it's just a seed planted in the ground now blooming and disrupting the soil and opening and cracking. And so Venus has this presence of teaching us and fresh teaching and within Capricorn. So then again, I think of the old crone and I think that she has a very tender relationship with the dark mother who's in the subterranean. So all of that to say, we're navigating the world, we're struggling, but we're learning how to struggle. I think sometimes resisting and wanting things to get back to normal, we're losing the opportunity at hand. And not to say that that's easy and not to say that we want to stay in the muck of life, but let's just step into what is gifting us, what like the tangible expressions of discomfort provide what? The tangible uh, grief, you know, it's not to fix the grief, it's to sit in the grief, to listen to honor the destruction that needs to take place. And some of that is the masculine within me has conformed to those old norms as well. And I find my heart deeply saddened. I find myself clearly aware as these personal planets are in Aquarius, dancing in the realms of Saturn, as an old crone that I too have a masculine that can be transformed. And so there's a lot of weight in that kind of posture, right? When you recognize and feel that struggle, but the struggle needs to take place. It needs to unfold. So I think the piece that I would offer is that the, the struggle and it's um, grip is not the place in and of itself where we will be. This is a transformative process. So in many ways, it's our world is transforming. And that's kind of remarkable and very exciting that, you know, because before the pandemic, we hadn't seen the world stop before. It's like that wasn't even a part of our consciousness that the world could stop. And we live in such a global way, it took the entire world stopping for us to really sense the fragility and the vulnerability of our world. And I think that we see and feel that completely differently now, even though we don't really like how we navigated through that. But there's a freshness to that awareness. And I think with this current war and, oh, just the horrific posturing and the, the, the horrific uh, atrocities that are happening, and, and I think they're being felt so deeply, so broadly. There's a gift in this for us. And what I will share is that often in the muck of it all, we're not going to see the gift. What we're going to have is the knowing that this too can refine us, 
this too can transform us. And as we stay open and as we stay sensitive and we move through this, we will find and know that if we stay open and, and vulnerable. If we close down and start to find a way to function so that we don't have to feel this anymore, that's closing off and kind of creating an insular condition so that we're no longer feeling our feelings. But if we can remain open within this and vulnerable, even as we navigate through and out of it, and we don't get distracted with all the bells and whistles and the, the sparkly things of life that, you know, can make, I don't know, can entertain us. Not that entertainment is bad, but we can be completely distracted with those pieces, right? So it's kind of a balance. It's a balance that we navigate through. And I think this balance is really optimal to be felt and seen as Mars and Venus, these personal planets, are balancing and dancing near each other. So, um, yeah, baby, that's kind of... Any questions, Tom? (laughs) (laughs) No further questions. Oh, no, you know me better than that. (laughs) (laughs) I just went off on that one, but I just, you know... I wanted you to kind of just run with your thoughts, so that was perfect. Let me ask you this. In the context of especially the Plutonian conversation and some of those great points that you talked about, the depth, the facade that we cover up with, and that we have to go in and probe and pull that out to really reveal the truth, right? The real essence of who we are. What then? Well, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what then does a Pluto return look like for the United States? Okay, I'm going to back up because part of what you said is that we probe, we plod. I find that when we're deep into the the, the Plutonian uh, movement, I am on my back, my arms are flailed open, and I am in this place of opening my chest and giving myself up. It's like when I am in my deepest Plutonian um, uh, uh, transit or, or, or um, transitions, it is more like going into a cave and resigning myself from life, not giving up life, but willing to take, you know, because I've come near death. And so it's like, do I want to grip and hold on to this life? No, I'm willing to let go of this life. So I don't find the Pluto place a place of working as much as releasing. I'm just going to offer that's the way I, I step into it. It feels like a lot of work because the work is in the self-care to survive it. <laughs> but I would approach Pluto more Venusian than Mars. And that's going to be receiving, embracing, um, respecting, listening, and um, enfolding. So then when it comes to what about the Pluto return to the United States, I haven't really heard anybody talk about this um, because I just sometimes feel things get so heady that – I want to always move within my heart. And so if I, in this moment, was to respond to you, um, we're all coming into a place of having to reckon 
with the divide within ourselves. We often call the divide in the society, oh, things are so different. And it's true. It's true. And the, um, the nature within our culture has shifted so strikingly that um, I'm in the world of a lot of teachers and the conduct of students and parents within the institution of schooling, which is a pretty standard institution within our, our country, is really oh uh, stark. The type of changes that have happened, the kind of decorum, the kind of um, impact. I know teachers that are taking sabbaticals, others that are just leaving. You can't get subs to go into the classroom because the, the dynamic has shifted so strikingly. And I think this speaks to this exposure of what is um, somehow justified in the way we think and behave as those of the United States. Somehow we are constantly justifying ourselves and Pluto will take that down fast. And I think that it's not about pointing a finger. Pluto doesn't, you know, give you a posture so that you can point at somebody else and go, yeah, you really need some Pluto. <laughs> Pluto is often in my experience, once I've had that Pluto connection and I'm engaging, I'm much more compassionate and gracious with others. And so I think that there's a, well, there's clearly an exposure. I don't know anybody who isn't in turmoil. You know, even if you try to seclude yourself and go off into another direction, you're still feeling this tension. And um, wow, I, uh, I think it's an opportunity for healing, but it doesn't mean that it's not an opportunity to really embolden bitterness. It, um, it can, I would say, look at your Jupiter and behave or endeavor to express your Jupiter. Because um, Tom Lesher, Kaipacha often said that. And I really kind of find my Jupiter gives me a buoyancy amidst the Pluto navigations. I don't know where the Pluto, where the Jupiter is for the United States. Do you? Well, in the U.S. natal chart, we have a big stellium, uh, four planets and the part of fortune in Cancer. We have Mercury, Sun, Jupiter, Venus, all in Cancer. So that Jupiter in natal United States chart is in the seventh house, Cancer, five degrees. And it's conjunct Venus by two degrees. Mm. Well, I would carefully dance here um, because I'm sure there's many astrologers that are very astute at this combination. But I just hear of home, home, and home. And I hear of I, when I when I stop and I feel into that Jupiter in Cancer, I know that it's in the seventh house, but still there's this, I don't know, relationship with, with Venus that's quite... Uh, very um, open, and um, I'm just thinking of, of Venus and Jupiter and expanding Venus, expanding what is receptive, that which is truly of value. Um, I find it really interesting when we think of Venus, we often think of money but the old form of expression for money was always cattle. 
And the old way we related to cattle through the ancients was they often were very near and dear, sometimes even in our huts. And so we had relationship with value. We had a relationship. So to expand Jupiter and Venus, especially with it in the seventh house, it's very interesting because doesn't that bring it back to a personal place that brings it back into what relationships am I cultivating? How can I extend and expand myself as I relate to others? And I think that that would be a medicine for the the kind of turmoil that's that is in our landscape right now of the United States, that if I can extend myself, um, I don't know, is that opening our home more? Is that welcoming? I do know that the divide is very well grounded, but I think somehow if we can, can work to be more open, to be more receptive, to attune to that which is truly valuable, um, maybe extend our values with others. I don't know. What do you think? Well, we also, continuing your theme there, we have a fourth house connection because transiting Jupiter is in Pisces, of course, and is in the United States' fourth house. There's that connection with home again, which, of course, is is ruled by cancer, right? So a definite connection yeah, and I just think of how homelessness is just just ballooning at this time, houselessness. And um, I don't know, we're definitely becoming very conscious and very aware of home and um, what is equity and what are our roots. I mean, that fourth house, again, even extends into, you know, what kind of roots do we do we hold near and dear? What is that that we're um, wanting to build ourselves upon? And I think as a nation, there's definitely a, a struggle within that. And I think that sometimes it's easy to point a finger at other people, but I often step back and go, where's that struggle within me? And how is it that I'm navigating that struggle? And where can I just shift myself or be aware of how I'm still wanting to hold on to maybe old patterns, old habits, and um, not embrace the challenge of the times. I mean, there's so much challenge. I mean, intellectually, we're just, we're so bombarded with how my language of the last 20 years is really um, unkind to many people, right? So there's so much to be self-reflexive on that it it can feel overwhelming but I think that um, I think it's an investment that's worth making or it's an awareness that's I don't know if I'm talking too much um, in abstracts but if I need to talk in you know non-binary forms when I'm relating to other young people or other people I need to learn how to do that when I'm participating with others of different ethnicity I need to learn how to speak in a way that is not offensive to them and not make it about my comforts and my patterns that I've been accustomed to. So there's a lot of working out that personal territory. Um, And that would make sense that Venus is sitting there with Jupiter. So in the way that we expand, in the way that we mobilize ourselves, we're, as Americans, it's worth always being sensitive with that Venusian capacity, that Venusian, oh, awareness. 
Well, let's let's unpack Venus for a second, because we were talking before we started recording, and I mentioned that I was kind of thinking that the focus and theme of my life, if I took any element of the chart to amplify it, would be Venus slash Taurus slash Libra, which are themes that uh, could be better developed in my own character. So let's unpack Venus a little bit, because what we're saying here is maybe it's it was part of the trigger, a muted part of the trigger, but it might be the part of our solution. And I've seen that, too. I agree with you completely on that. So let's elaborate on Venus a little bit. How can we apply more Venus in 2022? Wow. So, yeah, um, I'm even in a, a Venusian circle of women just to, to learn more about Venus right now um, because I think it's just so prevalent and I just felt to, to move in that direction. But I go back to my days of cattling. So um, I raised my kids um, their second half of life on a cattle farm. And um, that means cows. And I don't, you know, Venus sitting in Taurus is very cow, right? So um, very uh, herd based expression, um, very aware of what others are doing, very attentive to respect the dynamic of the herd as well. Um, and so there, yeah, uh, being um, close to cows was absolutely beautiful to see the way there was different expressions of mother within the cows, but mothering was very important. But yeah, so what are other things about Venus? So relationship, I think it's interesting. I'm just going to pick at astrology a little bit. Um, we often think of the herd as anybody who has a herd mentality really hasn't woken up or something like that. And I think that we have kind of... Whenever I hear that, it's a little bit of an elitist kind of point of view that the herd is where we are. And to suggest that we're other than the herd isn't really an honest position. I mean, Venus is very much in the herd. The herd might express, you know, there might be the 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 alpha, you know, girls that all have to sit around the bull, but the other cows don't really care. And so I think embracing, in fact, even... Um, yeah, when I did my thesis in art, um, my master's, uh, one of my key phrases was, um, love the herd, spoon with me. I think that's very Venusian. <laughs> she's, she's all over that group dynamic and respecting and loving it and not seeing herself as separate from it. Well, and, um, and what have we had taken away from us for the last two years? Connection with others? All of that. Exactly. Right. Well, I think it was kind of like a reshuffling of the cards and it clearly was taken away, but also our posturing was definitely diminished. Like, uh, you know, so it's heightened our awareness of the value of it, hasn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it has. I mean, yeah. like we won't take that one for granted for a long, long time. Well, and values have shifted the way people want to be employed and the type of employment that they're taking on and where their um, self-fulfillment is, is a little bit more in tune, I find, is a little bit more in tune. It has fine-tuned me um, to be more invested in that which is really calling from within as opposed to just, you know, staying within the track of life, you know, just staying in the habit of 
you know, a job here or a you know, responsibility there. It's really pulled us back, pulled me back. Um, my daughter's business had to dissolve in the midst of all of this. And suddenly there's this big gap of time and you're not connecting out in the busyness of life. Um, so what is it that really wants to come or be cultivated in this time? So yeah, that feels very Venusian. You know, there's another piece of this that's emerging for me in this conversation. We're sitting on the brink of a world war as we're talking. I mean, just kind of checking the headlines a lot more frequently to know, you know, what do we need to yeah. do, right? Uh, yeah. And yet what we're talking about, what's emerged from this even then, though we kind of started with Pluto, now we're discussing Jupiter and Venus to the ancients, the two benefic planets, which to me oh. just screams the message that I've been hammering and pounding almost every day on this podcast is that we have to raise the consciousness in order to get through this. And to me, there's no better symbolism of raising the consciousness than Venus and expanding it through Jupiter. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I think, I think that, you know, sometimes when we think of, when we say those terms, I think of it in some, you know, broad spectrum, but really that comes from the seed within that, that is simply um, a, a, a movement that can be offered in our dailiness, in the banal, you know, um, parts of life in the everyday, how we're checking out and connecting with the, the clerks, the other people in line, you know, how are we speaking to the person who's mocking somebody else or ourselves? I mean, I think it can happen in the, and that comes back to the term. I think a term that's very Venusian is gentleness, right? Um, gentleness is an expression of consciousness in everyday movement. And in the way that I would look at myself, um, I think gentleness is a very, uh, oof, it, it's definitely not the place of war, is it? Um, hmm. yeah, kind of the opposite theory there. And yet here, gentleness and war were sitting right next to each other. Although um, certainly this time around on the, the morning star, uh, pattern is Venus kind of got caught up, I think, in that, became the the Luciferian symbolism. You know, and that and Venus is Lucifer is the bringer of light. Exactly. Right. So I mean, light can be distorting and can be, you know, you can become self-indulgent in the light for sure. Um, but that isn't the 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 source of that light. That's the person um twisting the light for their own purposes. And that fits the biblical metaphor, right? Lucifer, the being of light, wanted the light to himself and created a war amongst the angels. Morning star. Gone amok. Interesting, huh? And and and, and it's in the posture of um, a hierarchy that that could be Amok. In other words, if there wasn't the hierarchy of the angels, if there wasn't the hierarchy of Lucifer, then that could not have been ignited. Exactly. So in that, it's not necessarily the energy of Lucifer nor the energy of the light, but within a hierarchical um, framework that binds, yeah, it's going to go, it, it potentially can go into that disruption. But then that would bring forward Pluto that's like, listen, 
your framework needs to shift and we need to, you know, that hierarchy is problematic. At least that's, that's the way I go because I think that when, when Venus sits in Libra, it's about equity. It's about mutuality. It's about seeing each other on equal footing. And, um, I think that's his Venusian. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'll tell you what I'm feeling, and I know you do this too. You feel the chart more than you interpret the chart. <laughs> I do, I do. What I'm feeling is if we move toward Venus, we are going to be ahead of the curve of all the other stuff that we could isolate in the chart. The Pluto, the Saturn, the Pluto return, the solar arc stuff that Delia and I talked about. If we stay with Venus... We're going to be ahead of the curve. We're going to be okay. Well, and I do think that Venus would welcome that. She's the expression of Venus um, will prepare us for that which is at hand, right? Yeah, I do. Ahead of the curve is, is you know, I, I'm not sure um, what you're saying with that. What are you saying with that? While the world is amidst the chaos that we will have a trajectory, a path, a knowing, and we'll be ah. the leaders of the other side when finally it's time to to pick up the pieces. But we will oh, also, that's... a lot, I mean, that it will also provide protection through any storms that might come. Well, there you go. Uh, here, here. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. And in many ways, I think of um, Venus... I don't know, as the needed fat on the body. Well, that, that would especially be with Jupiter and Venus. And, you know, there's, there's a certain um, value to where the fat sits. And there's a layer of fat on the kidneys that's essential to keep the kidneys warm. And we often, you know, think it's, that fat is such a, an atrocious thing, but fat is a, a layer of protection, and, and it's a layer of sustenance that will help us in a time when we're really struggling. Maybe, you know, we can't have uh, the opportunity to eat like we would typically eat or whatever. So there's, there's just a healthy relationship with that. And I think that <laughs> Venus and Jupiter bring that forward because it's an insular. Because when you were talking about um, ahead of the curve, you're insulating yourself to where, you know, we're not out of the boat that's going down the river, but we're just going to make it down the river. That that's going to help us um, as, we, as we're as we going through it all with everybody else side by side. Well, this has been really an amazing conversation. I'm loving how I'm reaching out to you guys for a different perspective. And that's exactly what we're getting. Mercury surface with Delia, <laughs> Jupiter and Venus with you. And I mean, it's like all of a sudden, I mean, you can really just get a glimpse of that's the path. That's the path through. Mm. And yes, like you said, we're in the boat. We are in Pluto's water. Yeah. Yeah. We're not getting out with Venus, but she's definitely, you know, what's better than to have an ally? What's better than to have someone who's watching your back? What's better than having, you know, those those relational uh, opportunities that just refresh you? I mean, that's totally Venus. Exactly. Mm. How cool. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, beautiful indeed. <laughs> I love wow. it. 
Thank yeah, you for opening that up for us. Yeah, well, I'm encouraged myself. Thank you. And it's yeah. because of your optimism and your perspective that we were able to engage in that kind of exploration. So I really appreciate it. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Marilyn Michelle. Thank you for contributing to these readings, for being available to help people navigate. And if you guys like what you heard and would like more of that perspective for for your own chart and for your own life and to get some of that perhaps even way through consultation, be sure to go to the funastrology.com website and check out Marilyn's profile. It'll link you right to her website. You can get in touch with her there and you can set up times to talk. Thank you again. Love doing this. We'll do more. Thank you, Thomas. It's beautiful. And thank you to everyone out there. I enjoyed it tremendously. And if you're interested in contacting Marilyn Michelle or Delia or Laura Taft, go to funastrology.com and go to the readings tab. Also there, you will find information about Akashic Records readings with Caroline Horn. We're building up our base, folks, and we have some great people who can tune you in with your soul. Thanks so much for listening. We will get to Laura next on this special series edition. See you on the Tuesday edition of the Fun Astrology Podcast. Thanks for listening.